God, I thank you that you're our mighty warrior, uh, that with you on our side, there is no fear. Uh, help us to trust in you. Help us to believe in that. Um, I pray that you'd speak through Michael, that you'd speak into our hearts. You just open our hearts uh, just to uh, draw closer to you, to learn more about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Seated. And again, happy Father's Day to each and every one of you. We are going to be in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning. If you want to begin turning there and we'll get there in just a moment. There was a, uh, a father who was home with his toddler, two-month-old, two-year-old uh, little girl, and she wanted to have a tea party. So he said, sure, that's great. So she gets her tea set out and she goes and she gets tea, water, and brings it back and he drinks it and she thinks that's funny. So she goes to get some more and they do this several times and mom comes in and, and dad says, hey, watch this. This is so cute. So she goes to get some water again and fills it up and he drinks it and the wife just dies laughing. He says, what's so funny? I mean, it's cute, but it's not that funny. What's wrong? She says, where's the only place a two-year-old can get water in this house? See, sometimes, sometimes dads are, are slow about some of those things. And actually, I had to think about First time I heard that, I think, where would a two-year-old get water? Didn't, didn't register for a minute. My first thought was the dog dish, but that's, there's not enough water to keep going back and forth. And then, and then it dawned on me there was a worse place than the dog dish. So, but dads get a bad rap. Um, sometimes on purpose. How many dads in here have ever done anything stupid? Anybody? Anything stupid? Nobody? Okay, then I guess we're done. <laughs> Nothing to say. Um, surely some of you have, uh, have made minor mistakes here and there along the way. Um, but you look at media, you look at television, um, and dads really are portrayed a lot worse than they are. Again, I, I look at this body and I'm thankful for um, dads who love their kids and are strong and, and care for them. Um, and this morning, I want, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you um, and maybe help equip you of some things that uh, you may or may not have, have thought about that uh, some tasks that God has, has given you and laid on your heart. If you're not a dad this morning, um, you probably know some and, and these are some ideas, some things that you can pray for uh, dads that you know, your own, others, men in this body who, who need uh, support and care of each other. So if you're a dad, uh, there's an outline in the bulletin. You can follow along. You can take notes. If you're the wife of a dad, you can take notes for him. If he doesn't, and hand it to him later. Make sure he has all the information down that he needs. Um, or a child or a daughter. Girls, you can take notes for me and hand it to me when you're done. Make sure I, I get it. Uh, several weeks ago, I read an article um, about uh, pastors making sure they sit under their own teaching. Um, and you know, week in and week out, it's, it's really enjoyable to, to share with you and make sure you're as convicted as I've been. Um, and so as I've studied this and thought about this this week, um, I'm reminded of the grace that I need. So uh, uh, I would appreciate you praying for me as well that I would uh, be the kind of dad that, that models these things. I read an article in the New York Times 
this week. A guy was giving uh, three, he said, very simple things that dads can do. And if they accomplish these three things, he said, and his words were, they can hang up their spikes. You do these things and you've accomplished what you're supposed to accomplish as a dad. Um, and the first time I read it, I thought it was kind of a humor article. But as I read it, I, I think he was serious, which was sad. He said, um, and it's about kids that if you have young kids, so I'm already, I missed the boat. I've, I've lost this battle already. So if you've got young kids, this applies to you. Um, number one, he said, you need to be all powerful because kids need to know they're safe. He said, number two, you need to be all good because kids need to know right from wrong. And then he said, number three, you need to make sure that your kids know the magic and the joy of this world so that they don't become jaded in life. Well, yeah, we we do want our kids to feel safe and we, we do want our kids to know right from wrong and we do want them to kind of experience the joy and the wonder of, of the creation that God's made, but I don't know if those are the ways to go about it or not. I don't know anybody... I'm not, and I don't think anybody in this room is all-powerful or all-good. But then he says, and when your kids get older, they're going to see through the facade that you've told them. And that's okay, because it's good for kids to, to realize the truth. And I just thought, where's he, where he going? Is this supposed to be funny? Because it didn't come across as funny. But instead of looking to the world, we really should look to the Scriptures, because there are some things, some... Some important things that us as dads and those of us who have dads and who are married to dads and who one day are going to be dads need to think through as God speaks to our hearts. And so I want to share with you this morning, um, these aren't things that you can check off. These aren't tasks that you can say, okay, this is accomplished, now I'm a successful father. These are some things that I want us as dads to cultivate in our lives Habits that I want us to begin moving towards. They're not something we ever say, okay, I'm done with that. These are habits that we need to incorporate in our lives. Uh, and we find these in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 in verses 9 through 12. So as we read this, uh, the three things that I, that I want us to come away with today are that uh, fathers need to walk with their children. Uh, fathers need to enter into their hurts. And fathers need to speak the truth. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, Paul writes, For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devotely and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as you look at Your Word, I pray that You would speak to us, that You would open up our not only our ears, but our minds and our hearts. You'd keep us from distraction, uh, and that we would be changed because of our time spent with You this morning. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Um, the first thing we need to discuss is, is, can we accurately apply this passage to dads? Paul's not a dad. He's not trying to imply that he necessarily was their real father. But down in verse 11, he says, imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. 
Um, and so is it fair for me to say, let's take some of this stuff and apply it to dads? And the reason it is, is it is, is the language that Paul uses assumes that they know how dads behave towards their children. In other words, if, if this wasn't something that they understood, they would have said, well, wait a minute, Paul, you can't say that. That's not how dads behave. You can't make this analogy because fathers don't act like this. And so apparently, at least in that culture, there was an understanding that these are some things that fathers did, or otherwise Paul couldn't fairly have used that analogy. So we take this and we say, okay, here are some things that, at least in that culture, some things that fathers did, and we, we can read through Scripture and we can see God as Father doing these same things. So we take those principles and we say, yeah, these are some things that, that dads can do and should do. The second thing we need to do before we get to the specifics is we need to make sure our motivation is right. There's a lot of reasons that we do what we do as fathers. We look at verse 12 at the end and we see what our true motivation should be. Paul says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. As fathers, are we doing what we do so that our children will walk in a manner that's worthy of God? There's a lot of reasons that we parent. Some of those are that maybe we made mistakes and we don't want our children to make those same mistakes. Sometimes we get, we get caught up and we want them to have a better life than what we had. We want them to be beautiful or successful or rich or likable. Sometimes we want to live our lives through them. Somehow we didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. And so we're going we're gonna to parent them in such a way that, that they fulfill the expectations that we missed out on. And all of those reasons are poor reasons to do what we do. Because Paul says, the reason that I did what I did was so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His kingdom and into His glory. This wonderful God that we've been talking about for the last several weeks of the book of Colossians, this wonderful, amazing, awesome God has called us and has called your children into the glory of His kingdom and are we parenting in such a way that they will walk worthy of that call? Are we doing what God has asked us to do, not for our glory, and not necessarily as the first motivation for their good, but that so that they would walk in a way that brings honor and glory to God? If they do that, that will turn out for their good. If we do that, someone might notice that we've done a good job as parenting and say, you're a good parent. But that can't be our motivation. That can't be our goal. Our goal has to be that I want this, my son, my daughter, to bring honor and glory to God. And so what do we do? What are the, the habits that we do as, as fathers to get them to do that? We're going to back up to verse 11. Um, one of the interesting things about Bible translation is there's a, there's a word in Greek, and so what they try to do is take that word and use an acceptable English word to make sense of it. Nothing wrong with that. It's that sometimes when you go one word equals one word, we lose the nuance of what that word means. And so uh, one of the things we want to do is expand these three words in verse 11. Paul says that he was exhorting and encouraging and imploring. Um, and those don't really capture the depth of meaning of, of those words, and so we want to expand on that this morning. The first thing that, that we need to do as fathers is to walk with our children. 
that word that Paul used in verse 11, exhorting. Um, the NIV says encouraging. Those are all right. It's actually the verb form of the word that John uses in the upper room discourse when he talks about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the, the paraclete, the helper, the comforter. He's the one that came alongside or would come alongside believers and help them do whatever was needed for them to do. This word has a wide range of meaning from comforting to encouraging to exhorting to challenging to urging. But it's literally a compound word that means to call alongside. Are you calling your children to your side so that whatever they need, because they're close to you, you supply it for them? That's what the Holy Spirit does, right? He knows us so intimately that whatever our need is, He supplies it. If it's comfort, He can give comfort. If it's encouragement, He can give encouragement. If it's rebuke, He can give rebuke. If it's a challenge, He can give challenge. If it's encouraging, He can do that. And that's what Paul says that fathers do. They come alongside their children in such a way and know them in such a way, know their personalities, that they know what they need at the right time at the right place. That's an impossible task. You know why it's an impossible task? Because tomorrow our children grow. And the next day they change and they have new experiences. And they're different today than they were a month ago. And so what that means, dads, is we've got to constantly be in their life so that we understand those changes they're going through. So that we can interact with them. So that we know what they need when they need it. Which means, dads, we've got to be involved. We have to call them alongside us so that we can help them and encourage them and exhort them and challenge them and comfort them. It's a hard task. It's an impossible task, which is a good thing we have the Holy Spirit. We have to depend upon God or we will fail at that task of coming alongside our kids and offering them what they need when they need it. But, it's a, but it is a habit, a, a task, a skill that we can begin, if we've not been good at it in the past, growing into. Right? God does not call us to perfection once we've learned a new truth. He calls us to depend upon Him to grow in that. The good news for all of us this morning is the high standard, and it is a high standard. God calls us to a high standard. The good news is, is that that standard has been met in our Savior, Jesus Christ. He did exactly what God has called us to do, and when we fail, when we don't measure up, thankfully there's grace and we can say, God, I, I blew it today. Thank you that I have another chance. And we have another chance. And we can continue to call our children beside us and get to know them and know their personalities even as they change from year to year as they have new experiences as they grow. We can continue to get to know them, continue to pour our lives into them. So the first thing that we're called to do is to walk with our children. Really all that is is building relationship with them. It's spending time with them. The second thing he asks us to do in the NSB, it says to encourage. Uh, a lot of versions will say at that point in time, uh, some versions say console. It's another compound word and it means um, with or beside 
a story. Why doesn't it tell us much? Uh, and again, compound words sometimes can be dangerous. For example, we wouldn't think that a butterfly is a stick of margarine that's going through the air, right? But it kind of can lend some, a word picture. What that word really came to mean is, and what it, in its fullness, it means consoling someone in the face of tragedy. In other words, you're walking beside someone in their story of life. The connotation is always when something bad happens. And here's the key, Dad. It's not your perception of tragedy. It's your kid's perception of tragedy. And here is what I confess I am horrible at because I am a male. And males like to fix things. Right? There's a tragedy in one of my kids' life. And again, it's their perception, not mine. Tragedies can be really small things to an adult and really huge things to a kid. I want to say, here's the reasons why that shouldn't upset you. And I've used those words before. Here's why you shouldn't be upset. Well, but they are upset. And it's, that is not the time for me to use those words. There may be times later when I can walk in and we can teach and talk about big things versus small things. But, but that word says you enter into someone's life in the midst of a tragedy. And for kids, tragedies can be all kind of things. They can be broken toys. They can be, uh, they think something is, is unfair. It could be the death of a pet. It could be um, a disappointment in life. A friend says something or does something. Uh, tragedies come in all shapes and sizes from spilled milk, which we're not supposed to cry over, but sometimes we do anyway, to really big tragedies, the loss of a, a friend, the death of a loved one. And our job as parents is to enter into that tragedy and console them where they are and not try to fix it at that moment. Again, there may be times later on when we help them distinguish between big things and small things. We help them learn to handle the disappointments of life. But in the midst of the tears or the hurt or the disappointment, that's not the time to do that. And as males... It's really difficult because males like to fix things. We like for things to be ordered. We like for things to be nice and neat and peaceful. We like for everything to be okay. And sometimes we need to realize that it's okay for things not to be okay. And are we willing to just console and comfort and come alongside and put an arm around and, and let someone cry or be disappointed and just be there? Be present. The third thing Paul uh, says that he did and, and that they recognize that fathers do, again in verse 11, he says, they implore each of you. Again, that, that's where we get our word martyr from. It's someone who testifies to something or implores someone about the importance of something. It's speaking the truth. Later on, it took on the connotation of speaking the truth regardless of the consequences. Are we willing to speak the truth to our kids to make sure they know truth from error? The first and most important thing is, are we speaking the truth about the gospel? Are we spending time with our kids that they know the truth of God died for their sins. They need a Savior. 
our culture would like for us as parents and as church to just make sure that our kids are behaving. There's a, a phrase that's been thrown around that really what we're about as Christian in America is moralistic, therapeutic deism. God's there if we need Him. But really what we want to do is we want to make our kids feel good. We want to make our kids make sure they behave right. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is, is that we're not going to feel good and we're not going to behave right. And God knows that and He sent a Savior for us. And that's the first and most important thing that we have to understand as parents is that our goal is not to make sure that <clears throat> our kids behave right, but that they know Jesus. And that we're modeling that dependence upon Him. And when we fail, and we will, that we model grace. We model asking for forgiveness. We model a complete and utter dependence and joy in God because of what He's done. As we have talked about through Colossians, it is the gospel that changes lives, not rules and regulations. Legalism won't cut it as parents. We have to make sure they understand the gospel. And then there are all those other things in life that we need to speak the truth about. That doesn't mean we don't talk about what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong, what's evil and what's beautiful. Everyday situations will occur. We'll see something on TV or on the radio or in the newspaper or in life, and we get an opportunity to speak the truth to our kids. Because here's an example of what happens when someone is not depending upon God. Here's an example of what happens when someone who may even be a believer doesn't keep their mind and their eyes focused on the grace of God. Here's an example of what it looks like when the world shuns their nose at God. We speak the truth, but do we always couch it in terms of what God is doing in and through us for His glory. It's not about just making sure they behave right. It's not about just making sure they learn all the good manners so that they can be successful in life. Our goal, again, as parents is not to make sure they're successful. is to make sure that they are completely dependent upon God. And if we, if we model that as parents and if we teach them that when they're young, that will carry over and they will understand. They'll learn to live by grace. They'll learn to live by faith. Well, the writers in the Old Testament say, the righteous shall live by faith, not by good behavior, not by keeping all the rules, not by making sure they have all their boxes checked off. The righteous person lives by faith. That means he trusts in God explicitly for all that he needs. Right? God is not someone that, well, I got what I needed at salvation, and then He's just going to stay back there in the background, and I've learned how to maneuver my way through life. And then if I really, really, really get stuck, I'll call on Him. If it's something really, really big, I'll pray. Do we as parents model that we need God for everything? That's what Jesus says in John 15. Without me, you can do nothing. It may look like we're doing something, but if it's not dependent upon Him, it's, it's bending our wheels. 
right? It's, it's like a car crash when the car's upside down. This just happened, right? The wheels are still going, but that car's not going to go anywhere, right? It's upside down. And when we depend upon our own strength to parent or anything else, that's really what it is. We're just a car that's upside down whose wheels haven't stopped turning yet because we've figured out how to live life. Again, these aren't three things, dads, that you can accomplish. In fact, we won't. We'll fail time and again. But they are three things that we need to have in the back of our mind as we interact with our kids. Are we walking beside them? Are we building relationships? See, that's the good thing about each of these things is something that we, we can do just a little more each day. And when we fail, it's not the end of the world. It's not this one item, right, that I've either got to get it right or I've lost. It's something that if I blow it today, there's the next minute, right? I can build relationships with my kids today, and I can do it again tomorrow. And if I fail, then I can do it again the next minute or the next hour. I can begin practicing and learning how to keep my mouth shut when something has gone wrong in their life and just put my arm around them and, and console them and comfort them. And I can practice speaking truth. And I can begin developing habits. And, and I can get, if, I'm, if that's difficult for me, if that's hard, if I don't really know how to articulate what needs to be articulated, then I can find another dad or someone around me and say, would you help me? Would you give me some pointers, would you, would you come alongside me and help me speak the truth to my kids? See, it's, it's not a, a win or lose proposition. We can't look at this passage and say, oh, done that, and we can, as the author of that article said, hang up my, hang up my spikes. We never finish being parents. Some of you are grandparents, and this applies there too. While it's different, see, you get a fourth thing you can add. You can spoil them, do some of these things, and send them back home, right? That's, that's the, the joy of being a, a grandparent. You can add something to this list, right? We have a, a wonderful privilege as fathers, a glorious privilege as fathers to model truth to our kids, to love them and care for them. Because at some point in time, they're going to grow up and they're going to get married. And the Bible says, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two will become one flesh. At that point in time, you may not have lost all your influence, but you have certainly, at that point in time, that relationship has changed. You step back. Right? That son or that daughter has a new relationship which becomes primary and your job is not always to interfere But if you have walked with them and comforted them and spoken truth to them, if they need advice, they will come back and ask. Because you've modeled that you're not just trying to fix their life or make them perfect, that you care about them. And so when that relationship changes, they'll come back and they'll ask your opinion. Maybe not all the time. But you'll, you'll get a glimpse of, of how you've handled life uh, as they grow up. So dads, number one, be encouraged because you have a heavenly father that cares about your kids more than you do. And that right there should take a huge weight off your shoulders because ultimately it's not about you. 
not about how well you perform or how well you do the task that God has called you to do because you have a heavenly Father who loves your kids more than you do and who has given you the Holy Spirit to help you steward those resources, those kids that He has called into your life, that He has put into your life. And that's comforting. And in the process, then, after you realize the goodness of God, you really have an opportunity to enjoy getting to know them so you can come alongside them. You have the opportunity to enjoy not realizing that I've got to fix this right now, but I can comfort them in the midst of difficult times. And you can enjoy speaking truth to them because ultimately it's up to God to take those words through His Holy Spirit and apply it to their lives. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't always have to say the right thing at the right time. God wants you to be present. And He wants to use you in the life of your kids. So as you go out this week, would you think about those things and would you remind yourself, it's not about me. It's not about how well I do. And would you allow yourself to be dependent upon God to do the things He's called you to do? What I want to do uh, in the little time we have left is I want to pray for the dads. I want us to pray for the dads. Uh, there are several in this room. If you're a dad, raise your hand. There is someone around you who's a father. Would you take a few minutes and, and pray for them? Um, let me give you a couple things to pray for. Number one, and most importantly, that they would depend upon God to be the father God has called them to be. But second, that they would enjoy the process of being the dad that God has called them to be. That they would delight in that. And then third, that God would give them wisdom to make any changes that need to be made in their life to align themselves with God's Word. Things that we've heard this morning. So would, would you do that? Wives, kids... Um, if you're here and there's not, and you don't, you're not a connected as a spouse, um, would you find a dad and lay your hand on him and, and pray for him that he would depend upon God, that he would enjoy the process of being a dad? And what did I say the third thing was? It escaped me. It's gone. Oh, thank you. The wisdom to know where he needs to change. Thanks, Linda. Glad someone was listening. <laughs> so can we do that? And then in a few minutes, I will close us. So gather around a, a father in here. Uh, and if you're sitting too far away, if there's a, a dad that you know that comes to your mind, you can just pray for him silently. And I'll close us in a minute. So if you need to get up and move, there's also a dad in the back of the sound booth. Someone don't forget that one. Okay? And let's pray for our dads.